Hey, Pi Tribe, and welcome back to another episode of the Passive Income Examiner. I'm so excited. This is episode 40. Oh my goodness. I was typing that in and I thought, wow, I mean, when I started this, I never really could picture what it was like to be here and recording episode 40. But what's kind of funny is recently I was looking back at some memes I had made early on and I remember inviting my social media friends to go listen to my podcast so I could get over 500 downloads. (laughs) It was so funny. It's fun to kind of just have these milestones and and look back. And here we are just about over 3,000 downloads. And so it's really exciting. And I just want to thank you guys for being on this journey with me. I appreciate you all so much. I know in the past I've talked about coaching people and helping you find your passion. And I've mentioned that this is a gift that I seem to really have a knack for helping people find something that's in alignment with their heart. And I had a really awesome opportunity recently. Uh, Someone reached out to me. She felt like she's at a time in her life where she wanted a virtual business and something that allowed her the opportunity to travel and to do things with her life. And so she reached out because she really felt lost about what she could do. And uh, upon our first session, she said, I don't, I said, what's your passions? And she had no passions or she didn't feel like she had any passions. But what's really cool is within the first 15 minutes, I was able to see and hear something that truly was resonating with her. This episode is for you if you are ready to get started and start an online business or a passive income business, but you don't know exactly what would be a good way to go. Maybe you have some ideas on some things, but you're just not quite clear on how you could monetize your idea. Or maybe you're like Debbie here in this session where you feel completely at a loss for what even is something that would light you up. That's okay too. So check out this episode and then feel free to email me if you have any questions or want to discuss your situation further at thepassiveincomeexaminer at gmail.com. And I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope it's inspirational and informative. We even get into some ways that she can monetize the idea that we come up with here. So um, let's do this. Let's dive in and see where it takes us. Welcome to the Passive Income Examiner Show, helping you navigate the muddy waters of building successful revenue streams beyond the nine to five. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland, mama of four who has a passion for living my best life and helping you do the same. I'm honored you're here and excited to offer you valuable and inspiring content. I believe we can have the freedom we desire and the happiness we deserve. Thanks for joining me. So Debbie, good. where are you, where do you live? What part of the country? I'm in Mississippi. Nice. I um, moved, moved back here six years ago to take care of my father full time. He uh, had dementia. He passed away April the 10th. And um, I'm just, I'm just not going to be one of these who's going to be real happy with full time retirement. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but the issue with me is that I, I, I cannot nail down what I want. I, I know it has to be virtual, but I don't know what it is I want to do, nail down to do. Okay. And that's the problem. Yeah. 
Well, first of all, I'm sorry to hear about your dad. That's always hard. Even when we know it's going to come, it's still hard. I've been through it and I, my heart goes out to you and kudos to you for like having the ambition to just turn it around and do something and not just sit on your laurels. <laughs> and that's great. And I'm excited. This is, I have um, quite a few people that I've helped that have come from this stage in life where they're kind of like, I have the time now, what do I do with it? And so this will be good. Um, let's start by, I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself, kind of things like, what do you like to do? What are you passionate about? Um, if you could do anything like set money aside and, and don't worry so much about whether or not people will even be interested, just ask your, just, just blabber on about, you know, things that just light you up. You know, if, if I could answer that, I wouldn't, I, I would be a way ahead of, uh, of myself. I truly have no passions. And I run into a lot of women who are in my age group who have had careers. My background is dentistry. I was a dental hygienist. Um, I taught dental assisting at colleges. I trained at a nuclear plant. So my background is teaching and dentistry. Is that something that I dental? No, I truly do not want to get back into dentistry on a in office situation, but I don't have like passions like this. Oh, I'm just passionate about this. I just don't. Mm -hmm. um, I have a wide range of things that I'm interested in. Okay. And probably that's reason why I can't really narrow that down. What it is that I would like to do. I do know it has to be virtual because we plan on traveling. Um, so uh, I, I wish I could tell you what that passion is. And I truly don't, don't have that. That's okay. I can come up with ideas that are still good. Um, tell me more about your um, interests, even if they're not passions, just things you're interested in. Uh, right now, I am uh, on a mission to get some weight off. I had um, taken care of my dad for six years, took a real toll mentally, physically. I put on a lot of weight, having to stay here day in and day out with him. And um, I kind of ate through that depression, you know, so I've got that, you know, so I'm, I'm really interested in getting, I don't know if you can see, I turned my, <laughs> turned my office into a virtual gym here. So, um, uh, I, I'm interested in doing that. I, I'm interested in, in working with that. Um, I have thought about something that I could do as far as information for people who are went through the same thing I did as caregivers. It it was a real eye opener. Our health system in this country is horrible when it comes to the elderly and if my dad had not had me to stay at home with him and take care of all of his business take care of his medications his doctor's appointments i don't know he, he could not have done it by himself uh, even before the dementia got really bad but i thought about thought about that but um i i, I love uh, I love being an artist. I did work with um, resin 
and did a lot of lot of work with resin. I have a shop out back that I would go to during the day. Uh, I I developed an allergic reaction to that resin, so I quit. Had to quit doing it. Um, it's it's real toxic, and even though I had all the PPEs, it still was really toxic. Uh, so anyway, um, you know. I really wish I could answer that as to be more clear, but truly uh, I can't. And that's why I reached out to you because I cannot, I did some um, MLMs this past two years. I hated it. It was all day long on my phone and, and I actually worked for two MLMs during that, that year. Um, one was for, um, one was a B Epic where they did a lot of, um, um, vitamins and, uh, diet supplements that were just, they worked for some people. They did not work for me. Uh, and also I worked for a, a skincare, uh, company also, which was, I'm just not that person. I'm not that person that, that can be that rah 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 kind of person so uh, I, it didn't work out <laughs> I understand completely I did a lot of MLMs in my day so I'm 100% well and that for me I look at your time versus your money exchange and granted I understand that even starting a business a virtual business you're going to invest more time before you have money coming back and that's understandable and that's really what I'm about, because I am not a believer of this hustle. I think people are ready for ease and we want a life that's just a little bit more about play, but we still want to have that servant attitude. We want to be able to pour into people some way, shape or form. And Debbie, I hear that from you. I hear that you have a real passion for helping people. I think that's what's driving you to keep going isn't even so much about the money necessarily, even though obviously that's a byproduct, but it sounds more to me like you, you want to stay active. You want to keep your mental acumen and you want to pour into people and make the world a better place. And, um, when you were speaking, your heart really shouted out when you talked about the caregivers, um, it was really a real, and I, if you went through this, you know, in fact, I'm still going through it, uh, as executor of his estate, I'm dealing with all of the, you know, legalities to finishing everything up. And, um, but, you know, we had the issue with, um, hospice, the first hospice that came over. Oh my God. They wouldn't even have a stethoscope. Their blood pressure cuff wouldn't work. Um, they forgot to come that day. It was a mess, a absolute mess. I fired them. It's, you know, it's when you have a healthcare background, it's almost bad because you you know what they should and shouldn't be doing. So if that that's what was bothered. So I let them go, got a new hospice in three weeks before he passed. They were wonderful. Um, but um, had I not been an advocate for him, he would have still had that same hospice. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's so awful about, and, and we as boomers, we're fixing to have a bunch of people that are going to be in this age group that are going to be looking for those kind of caregiving. 
My other background is curriculum development. I wrote um, a, uh, a year-long course in dental office management, and I also wrote curriculum for the uh, nuclear site. So I have that expertise, if I still have it, um, in, in doing that, and I am with you on doing it once and done. And uh, because I don't, I don't, you know, this whole MLM thing where you got to stick on your phone 24-7 and, you know, uh-uh, no. Yeah. I understand. And then you got to nurture your client. And also, I agree with you that if your personality isn't into it, you don't fit that personality, then it isn't in your heart. And so, oh, well, <laughs> like there's other options, you know. Yeah, I always felt like I was intruding, you know, and, and as a matter of fact, I've, I had right at Facebook lets you have 4,000 um, friends and I had like 3,200. I am going through and unfollowing every day hundreds of people just to get them off of my feed. These aren't people I know. I have no idea who they are. They were added because of the MLMs and um and I met people through the MLMs, but um, it, it just, no, it wasn't for me. I, I'm just, I'm just not that person. I'm just not interested I, in doing I, that. I hear you. I know. I'm like, I could never go back and do that again either. Just it, sometimes mm -hmm. it's not lucrative because it's so instant. You think, oh yeah, I could just make a quick buck. I can turn my, turn my product and I can make some, uh, some quick cash. But in the end, what I have discovered is that quick cash is just a temporary thing and then it's gone and then you're back to square one and so I I I don't know if you've heard some of my more recent podcasts I did a pits and a peaks one kind of some of the highs and the lows of my business and where I've been at and and it was I was saying um one of my difficulties has been shiny object syndrome because as I'm building my business I so want to be like oh I could do this and that sounds so great and oh my gosh and I've had to really channel my brain to say, no, Lindsay, do what's in front of you and get it done. <laughs> and then you can do that. I'm not saying no, I'm just saying do it later. <laughs> so that's been a challenge for me. So I understand. Okay. I have some ideas for you and I think you're going to like it. I have two ideas actually. One is going to be one that you could set up and be done with it and you could sell uh, courses that your all of your curriculum that you have developed. If you develop a landing page and do a course on a landing page, so um, basically it's just a one-page website. And if you and I, we can get into the weeds on on some of that, I'm going to give you the high-level overview so you understand, like looking at it from 30,000 feet, so to speak. So you, you develop a one-page website and it sells your course on dental office management, okay? Or I think you mentioned that you had two dental curriculums. I forget what the second one was. Dental assisting. Okay. Also, what would be really cool is, I don't know if this is possible in the dental hygienist industry, but if you could be accredited so that they could get, do, do they have to take ongoing learning courses? They do. Uh, they, they do. Um, 
they have to, they are required. As a matter of fact, I let mine drop. I mean, you know, I was at a point where I, I did, there's a certification that you have to take. I let mine drop. I, so I'm not certified any longer in dental assisting. Uh, it's, it's a CDA um, that students can take. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I, um, you know, here's the thing. I could be my own certification. Okay. So say like I decided to uh, write a dental office management program, put it online. I could, there is no where that says, first of all, there's, there used to be a certification for this program. And the, the uh, C, people who did the CDA dropped it. There wasn't a big want for this. This is the only area in dentistry that doesn't have a certification or formal training. But it still has an important value add. Huge, important value. The, the, pe the people that come in to work as office management are the people that have been there for a while in other positions, and they know the patients as if that's a big deal, mm -hmm. you know. So um, there's, there's always been an issue with that. Uh, I always thought that was an issue. So, um, I mean, I could write a curriculum uh, for dental office management and certify because there is no formal certification. Yep. And so one thing you want to noodle over that I couldn't answer this for you, you, you'll probably have an idea, is look at it from a dollar's perspective. How many dollars can you benefit, can your course or training benefit the overall um for example, like I understand business. So a lot of times money gets spent in frivolous ways by people who don't know better. Are there certain um, processes or inefficiencies that happen in a dental office that by taking your course, you're fixing and thereby making their office more efficient, making their payroll be more, like you're, they're getting more for other people. Does that make sense? Yes, and here's the issue with that. The issue is, is that dental, in, when you work in dentistry, your doctor pays for all of your training. And unless it is certified under the, the um, American Dental Association, it is not viable for a dentist to pay for that training. Now, would somebody just off the street in dentistry uh, and in a dental office pay for this? No, they would not. They would not go online and research how to do something because somebody in that office is going to train them to do it. Mm -hmm. I see. There's, you see what I'm saying? Now, as a um, college course, uh, college um, uh, diploma course, I had students that I only took uh, 30 students a year for dental assisting. And what I did was I developed this course. And so these students who were gonna come into dental assisting would have be first pick if they went into dental office management, took that diploma course, then they wanted to go into dental assisting. So they would be um, have a diploma in both areas. They would be more desirable to hire. Um, I truly do not want to get into that area of okay. courses 
because I, I it's it, it is not something that somebody's going to pay up out of pocket and doctors aren't going to pay for it unless it is through the ADA. Okay. So we'll backdoor that one or back back burner that one. Let's use your gift of curriculum writing and teaching, which clearly you have a knack for, to create a curriculum, an actual curriculum for um, caregivers. So when you were talking about this, I was hearing you talk about multiple, you had multiple different pain points, essentially pain points being struggles that caregivers are going through self-care issues right letting how to that's one topic um and that that one topic actually could turn into multiple topics you know how to eat right how to find strategies to eating well while caregiving you know maybe how to do food prep or how even to consider outsourcing meals what are those there's a lot of like eat fresh and they deliver food look to you and stuff like that um, what else, what to look for in a hospice person, how to have courage and stand up for something when you see something doesn't look right, how to know, see, um, that's kind of a, a pain point for me, Debbie, is when my mom was ill, so she died when she was 38, she would faint, she had these fainting spells, and of course, mm -hmm. it was in the early 90s, and medicine wasn't quite what it is today, but she went to the hospital and they told her, we're not sure what's wrong with you. It's stress. Um, it had been going on for a while. She would black out and be out for an hour. Like she was losing time because she didn't know how long she was out. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then she ended up dying. And I always thought like, if there was just somebody who was cantankerous enough to push them to do more, maybe that wouldn't have happened. And well, then they have hospital advocates now. In, yes, in the hospital. Mm -hmm. But if um, you are a person who knows when it's time to ask for that or doesn't have the courage. See, I think a lot of the problem stems from humans. We are very trusting of doctors because we're not, we're not experienced. We don't know what we don't know. So we just assume that they're the expert and they're telling us what's true. And my experience is this, not to badmouth any profession because clearly they are good at what they do in some capacity but at the end of the day they're also human and they are only making decisions based on the information in front of them and their experience that doesn't make them a hundred percent accurate a hundred percent of the time so we have to have the courage and the bravery to stand up and just ask questions number one I think if people just ask more questions and when their gut says something just doesn't feel right what do I do? They need to know what they can do about it. That is really valuable information that a lot of people will benefit from. These doctors are over pushed. They, they are get them in and get them out. And, and healthcare, patient care is a clear cut thing now. You have these symptoms. Let me punch them in. You have this. Let me give you a pill, hit the road. And, and that's exactly what you're talking about is that you really have to say, no, this is, this is not right. And you, and you know, did I make a few people mad? Absolutely. I did. Um, when you start questioning doctors, they don't like it too much. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I understand exactly what you're talking about. 
but it, it was it was like I mean they would put my dad on some medications, put him on some uh, uh, medications for dementia, and that is a hit and miss kind of thing with dementia. We're going to try this if it helps, and I understand that because everybody's wired differently, but. He would take, they would take these pills and he literally forgot to walk. Hmm. Um, I mean, it was just one thing after another. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was horrible what, um, uh, he was in the hospital and I had to take him down for x-rays and he was very, very slow about getting in his wheelchair. And the guy jerked him, jerked him around. Now, my dad is very uh, calm. He's not a, he did so-and-so, you know. Uh, but he came back to the room and he said, that, that guy manhandled me. I said, manhandled you where? In radiology. I guess I wasn't moving fast enough. Well, he ended up with a bruise. And you can imagine, as you probably see my personality now, you know what I did. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm calling them in. And, I'm, you know, people don't have that, um, that help or that knowledge or that know what to ask and not take it all uh, as the gospel. Um, it, would have been, it would have been really hard for him. Okay, I'm making notes. <clears throat> okay. Also, he would go to the hospital. They'd never find anything wrong with him. Yeah, yeah. And then also sometimes the medications, like my grandmother, when she was sick, she kept getting weaker. And then one day I said to her, what are you taking? And she's trusting her doctors that they're talking to each other and that these medications are not conflicting. And then she's trusting the pharmacist and all that as well. And, and it probably was not a flag. However, for her body, there was this one pill that she was taking, and I cannot remember what it was. Um, whenever she would stop taking it, her health bounced back. Her vibration, her vibrancy just bounced back. Mm -hmm. And then she would go to the doctor and he would say, well, why aren't you taking it? And she, And then he would put her back on it and right back down, she would go. And so I would go with her to her doctor's appointments and I knew what she was taking. And I would say, you know, Hey, something isn't right with this medication. And he finally just took her off of it for good. That's why I think this is such a great idea because I think, like you said, there's a lot of people who are going to go through this. What my recommendation would be to, would be to create a membership site. It's a site where you have this curriculum it is a curated content. It literally walks them through. You imagine sitting across, I've got a podcast episode, how to create a year's worth of content in one hour. And I say this, you, you sit, imagine sitting across from somebody who's coming to you for advice, who's saying, Debbie, my mom or my dad is getting to this point and I'm going to have to do what you did. And I need some pointers. And imagine if you had all the time to just sit with them and walk them step-by-step step through all the things from the start, you know, how to mentally prepare for this personally, right? It starts in their psyche and then the action steps of how to deal with the doctors, what to deal with medications, um, 
how to have conversations about death with the loved one because that's going to come up i'm sure you know what is it going to be like and that was you know, that was bad yeah yeah um and you know how to ask them questions and maybe even you might want to take some i don't know if you're interested in this but take some hospice certification training on the side just to get because they do a lot of training about how to talk to people about death i I spent a lot of time with my, my grandmother's hospice person. She was a sweetheart, uh, but she was awesome. And I told her, you know, while watching my grandma pass, I, I said to her one day, I said, wow, to me, watching her pass has been like almost watching her birth into heaven. It's almost the opposite. It's like, it's like experiencing childbirth, but watching her birth into heaven, it's like she gets close and then she comes back. It's just like these contractions, you know? I said, it was really kind of interesting. And she said, I find, she found a lot of, of soul comfort being able to help people transition. And she also said that a lot of family people don't handle it nearly as well as I was handling it. Now, granted, I'd already lost my mom and my dad. I'd already been through death situations. So this was the first time I'd ever seen somebody die naturally and slowly. Everything else was unnatural and quick. So it was kind of an interesting experience for me on that level. And my grandma was ready to go. I was ready to let her go because she she was really sick and her her mind was active and her body wasn't. And I could just see her suffering. And I was like, just go, you're ready, you know? But, but that whole concept is she said that a lot of family people struggle with this time because they don't want to let go. So part of your course could be how to be involved and be in that space of letting go and and then also understand the grief side of it and how to kind of walk through that. Now, Debbie, you're not an expert maybe in grief and you're not an expert as a grief counselor and all those things, but that's okay because you're teaching it from your own experience and you're teaching it from the heart. And that is what people will want to hear anyway. Mm -hmm. I, when my mom died, my dad brought in a counselor who was telling me about the cycles of grief and you go from here to here and here. And I just looked at him. I was 12 and I looked at him. Of course, I was smart mouth. And I said, don't tell me what I'm going to go through. I don't even want to hear. I didn't want to hear this like doctor version of grief. I wanted to, somebody to hold my hand and to walk me through that from an emotional perspective, you know? Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. that you have that gift and you have the ability to do that with, with love and kindness and compassion, but without the emotion, but to walk through this journey with somebody and help them from start to finish, you could even wrap up with, you know, the aftermath, you know, after you've spent your time, just this person is your life, your, your whole world is surrounded around their doctor's appointments and their needs and their food and their this and their that. And all of a sudden when they're gone, now what? That almost, it's like an empty nester all over again. How do you cope? How do you exactly. get back in life? So you see this journey, yes. this is the curriculum you're walking them through this. And this is why people will pay to be in a membership. Not only because they're getting this valuable information, but they can come back and refer to it. And you can, they can build a connection with other people going through the same thing. So you can also have like uh, once a month, a Zoom meeting with, with everybody. 
And maybe you pick a topic or you ask people just what they're going through. And then you kind of share some of your wisdom or you might bring in experts. You might bring in grief counselors or you might bring in a hospice worker who can give some guidance on a topic. And then that way you don't have to be the expert all the time. You're the leader of the group, you know, and you have your own experience, but you also bring in people with valuable information and people will appreciate that so much. Yeah, I wish I had had somebody to, because every day was different with dementia. You know, one day he's, um, he's enjoying catfish and the next day he's rolling it up in a ball in his mouth and spitting it out. Um, one day he's going to want biscuits and gravy. And the next day he says he can't eat it, you know? Mm. So every, every day is, was a different day. And you just have to roll with the punches. You just can't let it get into your head and be so, and, and that's where my healthcare background came in, came in good because I did not take all of it to heart and I could have very easily. Uh, and I, and I did some, I did some, some of it was, but thankfully he did not forget who I was or my brother. Um, so that was, that was a plus, but um, yeah, you just never know what to, what to expect uh, from, yeah. from, from diapers to, you know, it's like getting a three-year-old again, yeah. except you can't them up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and so you could also do breakout groups. Like your, your membership could have mini clubs where you might have people who are dealing with parents with dementia and they can talk about just like the things you said to get them through the days, help them ease some of their struggles. Then you might have a group about people dealing with family members with cancer, or you might have a group of people dealing with children, losing children. And what happens is you, as the group leader in Zoom, you control these rooms. And so people, you can assign them, okay, you guys want to go here and you can assign them after you do your, let's, okay, let me start it over. Say you start out your monthly calls and you have your guest expert coming in and the first 20 minutes is your guest talking on whatever topic. Then you do breakout sessions with the last half, right? So then you take, and in Zoom, you can, you can move people in little rooms and then you move them into their rooms as they see fit. You would, you would have them register for the rooms ahead of time so you know where to put them. Um, and then as the, as the host of it, you can go into any room you want. So if you want to go run the dementia room, you could do that. If you want to pop in and watch the, the other room, you could do that too. If you don't want to do any of them, you don't have to. So mm -hmm. that's where the community side of it comes in so strongly. Uh, and I can really see people leaning into each other and really making connections that last a lifetime. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Through that. This is something that brings people together often. And um, it's not one of those things that when it's done, it's done. Because there's always, there's always what's next. There's always more going on. And then these people might stay in the group even just to help others that are going through it. What you want to do with curriculum is you want to break it down. You know, you need, you need an intro. You need um, the welcome. And then you break these topics like self-care, for example, into miniature, probably five or six smaller versions. Well, because self-care can 
bubble out to how you eat for yourself. Yeah. 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 All of that. So then each one of them, so self-care becomes like a module. This could be a, oh my gosh, this, this is really, that would, there is so much that could be written on this from, from your own uh, mental state. I mean, I had to start seeing a therapist. It was getting to me so bad. You don't ever, and then the pandemic hit Mm. and wasn't isolated before I really was when the pandemic and I'm a people person you know I like to you know do stuff and be around and then it was just me and him and well my husband my, my husband is out of town part of the week so I mean this is just a huge amount of courses that could be taught but see, I kind of go back to the curriculum that I'm used to writing, which is about four courses a quarter. Now, I know this is going to be totally different. But if if this course is, let's say it's, I don't know, 20 courses in this, you know. But there's other courses that need to be written. Mm-hmm. Would it not be better or I don't know the word, I don't know, to not to just sell individual courses? I don't know. Well, if you do that, you're missing two components. One, I mean, you could do that. That's fine. The problem with it though, and this is something I experienced on my journey because that was what I started doing was just courses. You sell one course and then there you go again. It's just like the, the MLM. You make your one sale and then you're done. But what in this case, even more so is the, the camaraderie. I think the people taking this course would appreciate the, the ability to, on a regular basis, connect with people who are going through the same thing. And not only that, but by cure, okay, here's the thing. A lot of people could go on YouTube and probably get some of the information you're going to talk about, right? They could mm-hmm. even go to a counselor. They can even go to, um, there was something else I was just thinking of. Hang on. Oh, like, uh, you know how there's AA groups and meetups for, you know, gambling anonymous and all this stuff. I'm sure there's caregiver groups that are in cities and that people can go to. I'm sure there are. What yeah, makes Facebook. yeah, the membership. Here's the thing about the membership the curated content is not a YouTube channel or one course where they just go. The, the problem is, let me put it to you like this the problem is, Debbie, people don't know what they don't know, they don't know what they need. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so they're think about it from their perspective. Oh no, I'm taking my mom in, so they're in their mo- mindset, their, their focus is how to bring my adult mother home, right? So that's what they Google. So then they get a course or they get a YouTube video that answers that one question. But you know, and I know that there's way more to it than just how do you get your mom home, right? There's all of this going on. And so with you, you don't just stop there. You take them through every step and then they're gonna say, oh my gosh, 
I'm so grateful for Debbie because I didn't know that I had all of these things would come up. And it's because of her course that I was able to get through this. You know, they're going to shine the light back on you because they're going to be so grateful because you are guiding them through that. You're holding their hand through this and they don't even know they need that. That's what makes it so different. So don't let yourself be... Um, turned off or whatnot by the idea that they, oh, well, why should I do this when they can just get the information here? There's free resources here and so on. That's great that there is because that tells you there's a need for it. Um, so I guess I need you more than just this one meeting. Yeah, because I, I, you know, what are my steps? What do I need as a step? What do I need? What's the first thing I need to do? What's number one? So, well, today was number one. Today was figuring out what you're, what you're. I really, I really like this. I really like this. Yeah. I just didn't feel like I had enough experience medically to do anything with it. But like you said, I don't have to. That's where I get other people. And I know a lot of people. Um, in this community who who could help with that 